Well, thought I, if they're such fools, I will get ahead of them and teach them a lesson. One ill turn deserves another. It would have been a sharper lesson if only you had given me a little more time and more men. Still I have done much that you will find hard to mend or undo in your lifetimes. And it will be pleasant to think of that, and set it against my injuries. Well, if that is what you take pleasure in, said Frodo, I pity you. It will be a pleasure of memory only, I fear. Hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. And this is Joel N. And this is Keep On Tolkien. Season finale. Woo! Season three finale. Finally. Thanks for coming with us this far. Yeah, yeah. And before we get into today's topic, there's something we have to talk about, children. Something very important has happened. Our young Joseph here has got engaged. Oh, yeah. Yay! That did just you didn't happen. know I was going to bring that up? No, no. I, I was kind of confused. I was like, there's, there's totally something I'm missing here. Yeah, I wanted to spring it on you. Ha! He didn't know about it. It's not <laughs> in the outline. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. But yeah, yeah, so Joel is getting married to a lovely lady. Uh, can we say her name? Is that fine? Yeah, her We've name is Mallory. We've said it before. Her yeah. name is Mallory. Mallory. Yeah. You guys know her, I'm sure. Anyway, she's awesome. They're getting married. We're all super excited. And yeah, the Keep On Tolkien family sends out its love toward you guys. Thanks, man. And uh, also, Joel's taken now, so please, with the dirty emails, stop. <laughs> um, Joel is taken. We don't appreciate it anymore. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. We're both really excited. Yeah. Should we get into today's uh, topic? Yes. You do it, since I've embarrassed you. Go ahead. All right. So today, we're coming at you with a subject that we've been promising since like season one, I think. Oh, yeah. And we thought it'd be an appropriate finale since it's kind of the end of the story of The Lord of the Rings. And we are talking about the scouring of the Shire. Yes! Finally! <laughs> Fuck yeah! I know Danny's been super excited about this one for a while. Yeah. Well, because when I was writing the Sam episode, I was like, there's no way I can add all the things that Sam did in the... This is Sam heavy. Like, the is scouring it? Okay. is Sam so heavy. kind of make up for yeah. some of the things that had to be left out of the Sam in, uh, episode. <laughs> in Joseph, uh, you know, we dedicated the episode to, mm-hmm. he was uh, hella salty that I left out this... <laughs> The scouring of the Shire. He's like, it was a great episode. I really appreciate it, man. But when is that scouring of the Shire episode coming? Because you said that you left all that out and it was coming soon. <laughs> Where is it? And I was like, you know, just chill, Joe. Like, it's coming. Just relax. But it's here. Yeah, we're finally going to tackle this. So let's talk about it. What is the scouring of the Shire? It is a violent, popular uprising in the area known as the Shire. Popular, maybe, um, hobbitular Hob- uprising? Hobular? Hobular uprising? Bunch of hobbits? Bunch of hobbits? Yeah. Language. So, yeah. Language jokes. Uh, when was it, Joel? So the scouring took place from October 31st to November 1st of, excuse me, to November 3rd of the year 3019 of the Third Age. Yes, yes. And that is the year that the ring is destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's so excited about evil being gone from the world and in a good mood and ready to come home. And then yeah. what do they find? Go home, get drunk, a mess. smoke pipe weed. Woo. Woo. So let's talk about the players. Who's the players? We know the game. What are the players? Yeah, so some of the major characters we've got that are involved with this are going to be Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee. And of course, Marietta, Brandybuck, and Peregrine Took. 
Yeah, pretty much all the major families are are involved in this. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it gets pretty metal, guys. I hope I'm hoping there's a lot of people out there that have only seen the films listening to this because it's totally not in there. Yeah, this yeah. is this is such an awesome story. Oh, and like we've mentioned before, it really changes the tone of the Lord of the Rings right, too. Right, it's super interesting. But let's let's get down into let's it. Where, it. Should, oh, let's get where it. do we start off here? So let's just let's just go to the borders of the Shire when the hobbits are coming back from the war, right? Okay, okay. So we've parted from Gandalf. We've stayed in Rivendell. We were in Minas Tirith for like four months, and then we came home. Boom! The Brandywine Bridge. We're about to cross. So yeah, the hobbits are returning home. The uh, entrance of the Shire is the Brandywine Bridge, and just imagine getting home from like the worst double shift you've ever done. Like 16 hours at work, right? Yeah, except this one was a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the better part of a fucking year. Yeah, and it's like, imagine coming home and finding your house completely, say like your little brother had thrown a party that just, had just gotten out of hand. Just trash. Yeah, and everything is trash, and they've smoked all your weed and drank all your beer, and you're just furious it's when you get home. A bunch of degens hanging around. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what we're about to get into here. Yeah, so the hobbits, to put it lightly, they're, they're really just over it before they even get this yeah they are over it son like this, so so hard this uh will and we're gonna say that phrase probably 30 times in this outline yeah because that i think we, we think that really strikes a tone yeah they're fucking over it so upon returning they come to find that their home the very thing that they fought so long and hard to protect has basically become super fucked up super duper so the first thing that they find fucked up is the brandywine bridge it's the entrance to the shire it's nighttime and here's an excerpt at either end of the bridge, there was a great spiked gate, and on the further side of the river, they could see that some new houses had been built, two-storied, with narrow, straight-sided windows, bare and dimly lit, all very gloomy and unshire-like. So, all right, right there. Over it already. What is this? These new houses? Not cool. It's like fine. a spiky gate? Yeah, like what? At the bridge? Like, what? this is the Shire. That'd be like the person at the at the door to your house trying to charge you cover to come into your own house. Right. Fuck so they start guy. hammering on the gate. And after a while, they're answered by not really a person right away, but a horn. All the windows in the gatehouse go out. And a voice calls out to them in the dark and basically just tells them to fuck off. Yep, fuck off. He says, he says, no admittance after dark. Can't you read the sign? And then Sam is like, um, yeah, I, uh, I can't read the sign in the dark. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no no night vision. Yeah, Sam is probably the most over it of the hobbits at this point because he's been looking forward to coming home this whole time. And he says that if hobbits are to be kept out of the Shire on a wet night like this, he will tear down the sign when he does find it. <laughs> yeah, when he finds it. And after a few minutes uh, of this ruckus, this exchange, uh, hobbits with lanterns meet them at the gate. Yeah, when they see the company of hobbits... They're actually kind of afraid because you got to remember that uh, Frodo and friends, they're still all decked out in their Minas Tirith gear. So they've got a bunch of really awesome armor and they're all wearing swords and it's all pretty badass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pippin's got this white tree of Gondor and the sable cloak. And yeah, it's yeah, they're decked out, dude. And uh, even Sam is wearing some swag. Frodo's still just wearing the mithril coat, but he's like. That's all he really needs. Yeah. He's bulletproof. But at this point, Mary actually recognizes one of the uh, hobbits on the other side of the fence. And he recognizes him to be Hob Hayward, one of the Bucklanders. So somebody he knows. He tells Ma he tells Mary that everyone thinks that they had died in the old forest earlier last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, we thought you guys died, like, right off the bat. <laughs> just right off the bat, right after you left. I think that's just kind of great, because that just kind of shows, I don't know, the culture in the Shire. Like, as yeah. soon as it's beyond the borders, they're like, I don't know, <laughs> they're, they're probably, probably dead. Probably fucking dead. I don't Who care. knows? Yeah. 
So he uh, basically says, you know, I heard you died in the forest, but that's cool that you're alive. Um, and then Mary kind of responds, well, then open the fucking gate, brah. Yeah. It's cool um, to see you too. Uh, let me in. Yeah. Over this, brah. Open the gate. And Frodo at this point guesses correctly that Lotho Sackville Baggins is probably the big bully up at Bag End that everyone's been talking about. And they call him the chief. Um, and he says at one point, Frodo says, it's high time that the families dealt with him and put him in his place. Yeah, and all the the hobbits from the Shire that came to meet them, they're all they're all kind of silent because they're well. They tell Frodo that talking like that isn't allowed. Basically, ooh, don't you hate that? Just uh, not allowed. They're I not they're not allowed to like speak up. Well, just or like, speak out. The word "not allowed" pisses me off. I'm that much of a rebel. Like as a mm-hmm. kid, just when somebody ever told me I was not allowed, I was like, oh, oh. All right, not allowed. But the hobbits, they basically warn Frodo not to make a ruckus because he will have to, they'll end up waking the chief's big man. Big man? Who's the big man? Yeah, so they're talking about like a human-sized person. Right. (laughs) And at this, Mary's like, fine, bro, wake him up. I don't give a shit. Get him out here. This is like an episode of Cops at this point. Yeah, now Mary's pissed off. He finds the notice in the lantern light and he rips it down and throws it over the gate. And then he he beckons to Pippin. He's like, oh, all right, bro. Let's, I'm over this. Literally, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's climb the gate. Let's go. Yeah. And then Mary and Pippin scramble over the gate. And uh, basically, all the hobbits on the other side of the gate just flee. And they sound another horn. And out of the gatehouse, who is it but the chief's big man, <laughs> who is not so local this time, asshole, Bill friggin' Fernie. Bill Fernie, that Bill son of a bitch. Fernie. That asshole from Bree. Yeah, he comes out acting all tough, but he he stops at the sight of all the swords and the in the mail and stuff. We've got, <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. got an awesome excerpt about this scene. <laughs> Bill Fernie said, "Mary, if you don't open that gate in ten seconds, you'll regret it. I shall set steel to you if you don't obey. And when you've opened the gates, you will go through them and never return. You are a ruffian and a highway robber." And at this, uh, Bill Fernie is, he's, he's scared. So he throws the keys at Mary and he runs off down the road. Yeah, Bill Fernie's a little bitch, ultimately. But this, this is just shows you how Tolkien's like, I don't know, this little joke that happens here. As he's running away, Bill the Pony, his former pony, mm-hmm. kicks him in the ass as he runs away. <laughs> and, and Sam remarks, neat work, Bill. <laughs> just a bro moment. Yeah, so Mary remarks that they have dealt with the big man, but now he demands for some lodging and some food. Yeah, this is the Shire, dude. Yeah, like, it's still night out, and it's nasty, and yeah, they, they want to relax for a moment. So Hob tells them that uh, giving extra food out to people isn't allowed anymore in the Shire. Yeah. And they're not allowed to take people in as, like, house guests either. It ain't allowed. And Mary asks if, has the harvest been bad or something? Why is this, is there a food shortage? And we've actually got an excerpt about this scene, too. Well, no, the year's been good enough, said Hob. We grow a lot of food, but we don't rightly know what becomes of it. It's all these gatherers and sharers, I reckon, going around counting and measuring and taking off to storage. They do more gathering than sharing, and we never see most of it again. And at this, Pippin basically acknowledges that it's a shitty fact and says he's too tired to deal with this shit. So he wants to be put up, like, right now. Yeah, he's like, it's time to get a night's rest. Yeah, he actually says, just give me a roof over my head. I've seen worse, is basically what he says. Because mm. he has. I mean, he's... Yeah, they've been, like, like we know, they've just been through the worst of shit. Yeah, just the worst. And they're... What are they, what are they Joel? They're over it. These <laughs> hobbits, they're over it, man. Over it. They are 
fucking over it. Fucking over it. So they eventually like, all right, you can sleep in the guardhouse, the gatehouse. Go for it. And Frodo orders the gates to be locked. And this time it's actually just to keep the ruffians out, keep people yeah, out. Yeah, just keep those other assholes out of there. So while they're in the guardhouse, they find more rules hanging up on the wall, and they just rip them down. Rip them down. <laughs> Fuck that. They distribute the food there equally among the hobbits, so they are all allowed to have a decent meal. Pippin breaks rule four and puts the next day's allotment of wood on the fire. <laughs> and this is, this is one of my favorite parts. Like, if this happened to me in real life, I'd be pissed, this part. Yeah, so Pippin suggests that they have a smoke, and they hear all about what's happening in the Shire. And we've got a excerpt about this scene here. There is no pipeweed now, said Hob, at least only for the chief's men. All the stocks seem to have gone. We do hear that wagon loads of it went away down the old road out of the south farthing over Sarn Fordway. That would have been the end of last year, after you left. But it had been going away quietly before that in a small way. Yeah, imagine that. No food, no booze, no weed. I'm sorry. Isn't this the Shire? Is this the Shire? Or is this fucking, is this Soviet Russia? Or is this the Shire? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. None of the comforts of home. Yeah. They're sitting in an home. old, nasty gatehouse, or is it a jailhouse? It's like, yeah, it's like the house that you tend the gate from. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's a shitty-ass house, <laughs> like shitty-ass building. Yeah, and Sam, Bas- Sam basically echoes that same thing. We've got an excerpt from Sam here as well. All right, all right, said Sam. That's quite enough. I don't want to hear no more. No welcome, no beer, no smoke, and a lot of rules and orc talk instead. I hope to have a rest, but I can see there is a wor- that there is work and trouble ahead. Let's sleep and forget it till morning. So he's also over it. Yeah. Yeah. Over it. Over it. Totally over it. No smoke. I love it. Like, have you ever been in a situation where somebody like, you always smoke them up and they like, they're like, come on, let's let's have a bowl and talk about it. And you're like, dude, I'm out. And they're like, no. But you've n- you've never been out before. What do you mean there's no weed? You're crazy. How could this be happening? That's what's happening here. So the company, they didn't have a set plan on what they were going to do when they got back to the Shire. They decided that maybe they might go down to Crick Hollow, where uh, Frodo had bought his house before he left. Mm-hmm. At least they'd have a place to stay that's their yeah. own. That yeah. Maybe nobody would fuck with them. Yeah. Have you a rest. Just, yeah, rest. Hang out. Have a, have a chill with Fatty. Fatty Bulger shafted. Yeah, as far as they know, Fatty's still there. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, Fatty's just living in Frodo's house. But seeing how things had become, they decided to go straight on over to Hobbiton. Yeah, on their way to Hobbiton, they remarked that there is much more burning going on than usual. There's a lot of smoke in the air. Yeah, very smoky. And as evening rolled around, the company came upon Frogmorton, which is a little town. Fun name. Um, they planned to stay at a good inn there called the Floating Log. But instead, they found the road blocked by many sheriffs. Yeah, so a bunch of hobbit sheriffs, and they're all standing there trying to look tough, but they were clearly scared. Yeah. Did you ever play that Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring game that stunk? No, the first one? Yeah, there's sheriffs in there. Oh, really? Yeah. It's terrible. Anyway, they wear little feathers in their hats. They're adorable. (laughs) They have sticks, too. Like, they'd beat your ass with a stick if they had to. Yeah, ultimately, the sheriffs, yeah, they were all very scared. Frodo tries hard not to laugh right in their faces. (laughs) Yeah. Could you imagine that? After, like, I've been through Mordor. Right. And I've seen thousands of orcs, and I've been tormented by orcs. And then there's you got a stick and a feather. Yeah, he had to to face Shelob, like. Yeah, dude. I'd laugh in their face. So all these sheriffs, they tell the company that they are under arrest. And they're under arrest for gate breaking, tearing up rules, trespassing, sleeping in shire buildings without leave, and bribing guards with food. And here's a little excerpt. 
And what else, said Frodo. That'll do to go on with, said the sheriff leader. I can add some more if you'd like it, said Sam, calling your chief's names, wishing to punch him in his pimply face, and thinking you sheriffs look a lot of tomfools. <laughs> totally over it. <laughs> yeah. Sam getting sassy. Sam is like, yeah, all the best lines are from Sam in the sky oh, yeah. in the Shire. Yeah. So the sheriffs are like, yeah, you're under arrest. And they mean to take them to Bywater and then over to meet the chief's men. Uh, but Frodo and his friends, uh, they have a hearty laugh. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. And they're like, fuck if you are. Like, fuck if we're going to go to fucking Bywater with you. Frodo says that they will go where they please and that you can follow if you must. Yeah. And ultimately, the sheriffs, they don't fight him on it. No. But they go, but remember, you're under arrest. They're like, fine. Yeah, we'll follow you. But remember, you're under arrest. And there's a, there's a great line in there where he says, remember, I've arrested you. And then Frodo says, or he's like, don't forget that I've arrested you. And Frodo says, never. But I may forgive you one day like why is this shit yeah just like i will never fucking forget that you did this bro i wanted to have that excerpt in here too but there's just too many goddamn yeah there's so many awesome excerpts from this chapter yeah so frodo basically says they're gonna go wherever they want and uh, frodo asks them to escort him to his friends at the floating log and they say can't the inn is closed and uh they say i guess you can stay in the sheriff's house if you're looking for somewhere to stay and then uh so there's a little bit of a walk from frogmorton to uh the sheriff house or whatever so uh as they're talking uh sam recognizes one of the sheriffs as somebody he knows yeah it's a fellow by the name of robin smallborough so sam scolds him for waylaying frodo and says that hobbit that he's hobbiton bread and that uh robin should have more sense yeah you should be smarter than this robin and then he calls him i don't know if i'm just a pervert or whatever he calls him cock robin and i can only assume that that's like an insult or like a nickname like i'm sure it's supposed to be i feel like if i had to like put an equivalency to it it's go get your fucking shine box you know from goodfellas (laughs) like if you call somebody cock robin he's like go get your fucking shine box cock robin yeah, so he asks him why the inn is closed, and Robin tells him that all the inns are closed. And it's basically because the chief started uh, prohibiting beer. But now Robin actually suspects that it's just kind of all kept for his men. Sam tells him that he should be ashamed of himself and should have stopped sheriffing when it stopped becoming being a respectable job. Yeah, and to that Robin just replies, that wasn't allowed either. <laughs> You weren't allowed to quit your job. Yeah, like, what does that make you, dude? Like, what the hell? And then just a little, this is just a sentence-long quote from uh, from Sam. If I hear not allowed much oftener, I'm gonna get angry. And I always find it uh, hilarious when people who are actually, like, really angry say that, like, some arbitrary thing will make them angry. Yeah, you're already angry. Like, you're already furious, dude. So Nob explains to Sam about the lock holes. Basically, they lock people up in these holes and they torment them so do you mean to say that part of the scouring of the shire was mass incarceration hmm hmm hmm, hmm. anyway they lock people up in these holes in uh mickle delving and they torture and starve the shit out of them uh major people uh, old flower dumpling was the first and then they actually took male will uh will whitfoot he's gone too who is old flower dumpling i do not rightly no it just said right in the text <laughs> that they took old flower dumpling and i was like damn that sounds like an important person i better have them in the outline i want to know who these people are and how you get the title old flower dumpling <laughs> it's their last name i don't know 
So Nob also tells them that there are now shitloads of sheriffs around, and they all report to the chief. So there's a lot of cops on the street, and it's like a police state. Like, they just upped the amount of sheriffs that they had out harassing people, and it's become a police state. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially started this network of spies. And uh, they also use the old postal system to deliver secret messages between each other. Yeah, they're totally just taking all of the Shire services for themselves. Yeah. And that's how uh, they were actually warned. That's how the sheriffs knew that they were coming because of all the network of spies. And then they also said that the chief heard about, heard about them and wants to see them. Sam And Sam remarks, he won't be so eager when Mr. Frodo has finished with him. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Frodo's going to fuck him up. Yeah, I imagine every time Sam speaks in here, he's going like, I, you can't see this because it's radio, but <laughs> like, you know, pounding his fist into his hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough guy in it. <laughs> tough guy. You ain't tough guy. So on the road to Bywater, when they reach the sheriff house at Frogmorton, they see that it is also a piece of shit. It's one story. It's made of ugly pale bricks, and it's damp and cheerless. Yeah, so they ended up just sitting at a shitty table, eating shitty food. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning, they just set out for Bywater right early they left at about 10 o'clock they're like we're done with this shit let's go let's go they would have left sooner but the delay pissed off the sheriffs so they <laughs> yeah they were <laughs> they were just they were just trolling the sheriffs yeah they were so clearly pleased they were so clearly cheesed off about them being late that they just kept doing it because they thought it was funny and i love like that's how like they know that there's ser- something very serious going on in the shire mm-hmm. but they're still not above just spending 20 minutes just fucking with the sheriffs you know what yeah I mean? fuck these guys yeah, at this point, the sheriffs were told uh, were told to escort them as prisoners, but Mary made them ride in front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, whatever. You ride up there. Well, like they and they're on foot too. Like the sheriffs are, they don't have like mm-hmm. ponies. So like like you walk up front and we'll sit on our ponies and and have a great time. <laughs> yeah, they basically in no way take this dude seriously, like at all. In fact, they just have an awesome time on the whole, on the road. They're just laughing and singing the whole way. Here's a little excerpt about that. Mary, Pippin, and Sam sat at their ease, laughing and singing, while the sheriff stumped along trying to look stern and important. Frodo, however, was silent and looked rather sad and thoughtful. And while they're passing, an old man on the road remarks, in Hobbit fashion, Now who's arrested who, then? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's pretty (laughs) obvious who's in control here. (laughs) The sheriff. The sheriffs are super mad, and they move to like lay hands on this dude. They're like, "To the lock holes with this one." <laughs> uh, but Mary's like calls out to the leader of the sheriffs, and he says, "He says, call your men back, or I will deal with them." Oh shit! Just sort of like, yeah, you're you're not touching this man. Yeah, like leave that dude alone, man. Mary, he, he just made a good joke. That's all he did. You know what? What, I mean? what is Mary? Mary's fucking over it, dude. <laughs> He is over it. He's fucking over it. Uh, and when they reach the three farthing stone, which is the uh, it's a it's a stone where the the southwest and east farthings all meet, and it's supposed to be like the middle of the Shire. They say that the sh- the sheriffs are like, we can't go any further right now because they like they said they're on foot. So uh, the company says, all right. Well, we're going to keep going. We'll see you guys later. We'll meet you at the Green Dragon. Yeah, Sam tells Robin before they leave to go meet him at the Green Dragon. If you, quote, still know where that is. Ooh. Little jab before he leaves. The sheriffs are pretty pissed off that they just ride off, too. Yeah. And we've got an awesome excerpt about this scene, too. You're breaking arrest. That's what you're doing, said the leader ruefully. And I can't be answerable. We shall break a good many things yet and not ask you to answer, said Pippin. Good luck to you. 
just straight up disregarding yeah. him. Just what is Pippin? He's pretty much over it. He's over it. I think he's over it. I yeah, he's pretty over it. So as the company makes their way down the road, they can see Hobbiton and Bywater in the distance, and this is when shit really starts to get real for them. Hitting home, as it were. Mm-hmm. We got an excerpt about this scene too. This was now Frodo and Sam's own country, and they found out now that they cared about it more than any other place in the world. Many of the houses that they had known were missing. Some seemed to have burned down. The pleasant row of old hobbit holes in the bank on the north side of the pool were deserted, and their little gardens that used to run down bright to the water's edge were rank with weeds. Yeah, the avenues of trees that lined the roads were all cut down, and thick black smoke rose from Bag End. Now Sam, again, is super over it. At this point, he's like, so over it. I can't even, yeah. He's just worried about his gaffer. Yeah, I'm going to get my dad. My bet my, my, my dad's over this, too. <laughs> so he, so now Sam wants to go find his gaffer. Yeah, he's but, all about to just, I got to go get my dad. <laughs> Mary calms him down, though, and he says that the chief will have men waiting for them. So they should talk to someone and get the local story first and just kind of, you know, take it slow, see what's going on. Yeah. You know what I also love about this chapter is, like, this is, like, the final exam for the War of the Ring. Yeah, this, this is when all the hobbits shows. start using all the skills that they learned over the past year in their trials and tribulations, and you see it throughout this chapter, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. Like that's one of the things you know. Mary's like, "No, talk to the locals, dude. Get the local story before you just go marching into places." Yeah, I love that Gandalf parts ways with them as they're going in there because yeah. he's just like, you know, if there's anything going on, like they can deal with. You it. can, yeah. He's literally like, "Yeah, you got this." Mm-hmm. Like Gandalf knows stuff probably isn't going the best right now. Yeah, you got this. Yeah, these guys are war heroes. Yeah, dude. So the company passes the green dragon, and there are two full-size men sitting there. And of course, they threaten the company, say some, Yeah, little people, hobbits, meh. <laughs> and Mary threatens them right back. <laughs> and he actually calls them, he says, We know how to deal with footpads in this country. Which I assume footpad is an insult aimed at people that wear, people and or things that wear shoes. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so the ruffians say that their leader around here is some dude called Sharky. So this is the first time that they hear of this guy. About Sharky. And Frodo tells him there is that basically their time is up. They've been behind the news this whole time. And here's a little news flash from Frodo. <laughs> Much has happened since you left the South. Your day is over and all other ruffians. The Dark Tower has fallen and there is a king in Gondor. And Isengard has been destroyed and your precious master is a beggar in the wilderness. I passed him on the road. The king's messengers will ride up the greenway now, not bullies from Isengard. Yeah, so at this point, they've recognized the men that are here are men from Isengard. Right. And uh, after Frodo says that, one of the guys calls Frodo a cockawoop. Cockawoop. There's a lot of insults in this chapter that I don't really... Yeah, cockawoop, that's... I wouldn't want to be called that. Yeah, this is a little too much for Pippin. Now Pippin is... Yeah. He's over it. Pippin literally, like, they support with, like, Pippin. Pippin is now sitting here watching the ring bearer be called a cockawoop. And then Pippin's like, this is too much. And then he's over it as shit. So Pippin draws his sword and throws down his cloak, revealing all of his super awesome Gondor swag. Got a quick excerpt about this scene here. I am a messenger of the king, he said. You are speaking to the king's friend and one of the most renowned in all the lands of the West. You are a ruffian and a fool. Down on your knees in the road and ask pardon, or I will set this troll's bane in you. 
Oh my god. It's fucking metal, dude. I love I love that quote. I'll stick this troll's bane in you, son. Yeah, Pepin's like, nope. Because he's over it. Now let's get to Sam and Mary. <laughs> they are also pretty much over it. Also over it. They draw their swords and come up and support Frodo. Shishing shing. You wanna go through you wanna get to the cockawoop, you gotta go through us. <laughs> Friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Yeah, idiot. Yeah, your your friends just all like you get insulted, and then they all just draw their swords. Like mm-hmm. that's tr- friendship there. Yeah, this whole time Frodo's just staying cool, cool cucumber, doesn't even move. Yeah, Frodo is just, and that's the thing in the, of like Frodo's learned is just like just be calm. Like he's learned a lot from Gandalf and shit. Like mm-hmm. just whew, assess the situation, dude. And that's what Frodo does. He doesn't move. And uh, the ruffians they get out of they get the fuck out of dodge, and they blow a bunch of horns as they leave. <laughs> And here's a little excerpt about the Rufians. Fearless hobbits with bright swords and grim faces were a great surprise, and there was a note in the voices of the newcomers that they had not heard before, and it chilled them with fear. Grim faces, bright swords, pissed off hobbits, yeah! Yeah, this is starting to get very metal. Because now they're not so much laughing. It seems like now the hobbits are really getting down to being just pissed off. Yeah, just, just straight pissed. And after that exchange with the Rufians, uh, Frodo understands that Lotho's probably most likely a victim in this situation. Yeah, Frodo's taking all of this into consideration. And now, yeah, now he realizes that Frodo's, or uh, Lotho is probably, yeah, he's probably also just as victimized. Oh, yeah, as, mo- as everybody else in the Shire. And he was, so Lotho was a shady motherfucker. And he, he merely opened the door for the evil that is now inhabiting the Shire. Basically, what I described this as when I was reading about Lotho is he's like, in it's organized crime it's like the mafia from middle earth basically what these mm. ruffians are mm-hmm. they 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 steal they extort and they do it in a organized fashion yeah 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 so it's basically Taking organized advantage crime. Of people and yeah. yeah absolutely yeah so at this point frodo just hopes that they're not too late to save lotho we have an excerpt about what frodo says oh this is what pippin says oh and we have an excerpt about what pippin says. it's funny yeah, that's why i left <laughs> it's in here well i am staggered said pippin of all the ends to our journey, that is the very last I should have thought of, to have to fight half-orcs and ruffians in the Shire itself, to rescue Lotho Pimple. <laughs> I love, yeah, they just call him Pimple. They just, all of them, just <laughs> no respect. <laughs> Even though they might have to end up saving him, they still don't like him. Yeah. And this is when Frodo shows some true leadership, too, and he, he has a conversation with his bros. He's like, all right, guys, this looks like this could get pretty fucked up. I don't want anybody killed unless they have to be killed. And there's no killing of hobbits, period. period. Even if they're straight evil now. And uh, here's, uh, yeah, here's a little excerpt about what he says. No hobbit has ever killed another on purpose in the Shire, and it is not to begin now. And nobody is to be killed at all if it can be helped. Keep to your tempers and hold your hands to the very last moment. And all the company agrees to this, although they know it won't be as easy next time. Right. So at this point, Sam suggests they visit Farmer Cotton. I wonder why. You think he has any uh, ulterior motives? Let's go see Mr. Cotton. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't have any daughters that go I like. By the, go by the Cotton household. But I mean, ultimately, he does know that Farmer Cotton is uh, a good, strong hobbit. No, he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. He also had many sons that were all friends of Sam. And uh, Mary suggests that they do something. They do something. He's like, let's let's not just sit around and talk about stuff. Let's do something. Let's raise the Shire. Raise the Shire. Raise the Shire. <laughs> yeah, because Mary bets that most hobbits are probably fed up with this too and probably want to do something. They they probably just need that extra little push. Little push. 
great things have small beginnings. Right, Joel? Mm-hmm. Lawrence of Arabia. That's the first time this season I've mentioned Lawrence of Arabia. We should start throwing a lot more Lawrence of Arabia oh, yeah, references. We We're huge fans of that film. Wow, guys. It is great. I'm surprised we haven't ranted about it more. I know. You know who else is? Uh, our, gu- our guy Scott. It's oh, yeah? one of his favorite movies, too. <laughs> yeah. I oh, told yeah. him about the screening. He might go. Oh, hell yeah. Because it's like next month or something. What up, Scott? Anybody in the Twin Cities, we're going to go see... <laughs> We're going to go see Lawrence of Arabia in 70mm uh, at the Heights Theater. Come see us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they just need a push. Great things have small beginnings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're basically, they, they, they know that they're sitting on a powder keg of social rage. And they just need a match and it'll all go up, baby. So Sam makes his way to Cotton's farm. Mary also blows the horn of Rohan to wake up all the sleeping hobbits. They're they're just getting everybody up and ready. And as Sam is he's he's going off to the, the cotton farm, mm-hmm. Mary's blowing the horn, and Sam actually remarks that he when he hears it on the road, it's so compelling that he almost turns back. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, like the horn. The horn of Rohan. And Mary shouts, Awake, awake, fire, fear, fire. And then he takes his horn and he changes the note to the horn of Buckland. Ah, something that the hobbits know. Yeah, they know. So like they heard that horn of Rohan that was like crazy loud. And they're like, oh, what's that mean? And then they hear the horn of Buckland. They're like, all right, it's going down. Yeah. So when Sam approaches the cotton house, three of his sons come out with axes. But they're stopped by Farmer Cotton. Basically, they thought that Sam was one of the ruffians. One, uh, excuse me, one of the ruffians. Yeah. And they, yeah, ultimately, they also thought Sam was dead. So yeah, like, and they're also like, we thought you were dead, dude. But they also say, like, just like Nob, uh, I'm happy that's not the case, though. Hobbits are polite. Yeah, so. Sam lets them in on the fact that they're trying to raise the Shire. They're trying to... Raising it? Rebel. And Cotton Cotton basically turns to his sons and he's like, it's about fucking time. Yeah, boys, let's do this. He's like instantly down. Yeah, just instantly down. I love that. uh, It's like that scene in Harold and Kumar where he's like, those delicious little burgers really make me want to burn this place, this motherfucker (laughs) down. Then he just yells to the fry cook, we're burning it down. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a little quote about Cotton and the boys. We're going to clear out these ruffians and their chief too. We're starting now. Good, good, cried Farmer Cotton. So it's begun at last. I've been itching for trouble all this year, but folks wouldn't help. But I've had the wife and Rosie to think of. These ruffians don't stick at nothing. But come now, lads. By water is up. We must be in it. I'm glad Joel nailed that excerpt because the whole time I'm doing air guitar. Did you see me doing that? Yeah. yeah I'm just like, this is so just like, I, I fucking love Farmer Cotton. He's so awesome. Hell yeah. Farmer Cotton, he's just instantly down. I love instantly that. Instantly down. He's like, let's do it. But uh, obviously, while there, uh, Sam decides he's going to inquire about Rosie. So like, yeah, so how is, uh, and he's he's such a gentleman about it. He goes, how is Miss Ro- uh, how, how is Mrs. Cotton and Rosie keeping? Like your your wife and daughter, how are they doing? Not just like, where your daughter at, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, I mean, Cotton knows what's up. He, yeah. gives, a, he gives a sly smile. He goes, yeah, and he's, he's like, like, you can go talk to her. Go talk to her, yeah, see how her and the missus are keeping. <laughs> so So Sam does. And she said, she is the first person that they meet in the Shire that says, everyone thought you were dead, but I've been expecting you since last spring. That's got to be really nice. Yeah. Everybody thought you were dead except me. Aww. Aww. She tells him to get back to Frodo and come straight back when he's done, though. She knows that he's got shit to do. Yeah, she's basically like, you've been through everything with Frodo, and why would you leave him alone now? Mm-hmm. Go go do your your your, your friendship is magic shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam is off to to rejoin with Frodo, and as he's leaving, she says that uh, that Sam quote looks fine. 
And Sam gets back to Bywater, and so it begins. The whole village is out there, dude. They yeah. got axes, they've got clubs, they've got knives, they've got staves, and some of them got bows, dude. Yeah, hobbits with bows, man. They're super precise. You know that's going to be some real good marksmen. Yeah, and they lit a huge fire in the middle of the of the road, and they did it specifically because that shit wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Fight the power. Fight the power. And then, yeah, they got public enemy on the boombox. Like. <laughs> yeah, and at Mary's orders, they put up barricades on the road at either end of the village. So when the sheriffs come up to this and they respond to all this ruckus, they're just absolutely dumbfounded because they haven't seen anything like this happen in God knows how long. Yeah. Or <laughs> ever. And this is one of my favorite parts. Most of them, it said, took off their feathered caps and joined the revolt. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they're like, they saw that it was happening, they're like, all right. Here we go. They just throw their cap. Revolution time. Yeah. Yeah. So things are really starting to heat up. And at this point, Frodo speaks with Farmer Cotton. And he gives them the lowdown on the numbers of the ruffians and their locations and their weapons. And he says that they do have, uh, he says mostly clubs and, and knives and stuff like that. But they do have some bows. And that they have shot some hobbits. Yeah, so they're not harmless ruffians. They've they've got some weapons. And then he says, uh, so Mary, I think it's, I think it's Mary goes, so there has been killing. See, we, we didn't even start it. And then he goes, Farmer Cotton says, oh, not exactly. It's Pippin. That's who it is. He goes, not exactly Pippin. First person to actually start the killing was your dad. Paladin Took. And he said that all of Tookland is already in revolt and it's being watched. Like it's 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 under siege essentially. Oh, at this so point. yeah. So Tookland is like in lockdown right now. Oh yeah. And they hunt they literally hunt Rufians. It says that. Like oh, the, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they hunt them for fun. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, the Tooks probably would not put up with that shit at no, all. No, no, they're Tookish. Why would they? Hell no. And uh Paladin, who's actually he's actually the Thane of the Shire, and he felt that if anybody should uh be chief, should be the Thane, right? Oh yeah, so it is a little bit of a power struggle because he realizes right. that should be his position. And Thane is a title that um, is more ceremonial than anything at this point in the Shire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's passed down through the generations, but it was originally they were chosen um, because, as we know, the hobbits were um, under the scepter, right, mm-hmm. of yeah, the Northern the, Kingdom. Yeah, when the hobbits moved to where the Shire is, that was part of the Northern Kingdom at one mm-hmm. point. And so after the fall of Arthurdane and the death of Arvidui, God, that guy comes up a lot, <laughs> um, in TA 1979, they chose a Thane. Yeah, and, so the Thane was yeah. basically the designated... Uh, ruler, I guess? Ruler. Yeah. Yeah, air quotes, because, I mean... Pretty much democratic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're more. They're, yeah, they're like the representative of yeah. the Shire. And at this point, Pippin is like, "Good for the Tooks," and he's like, "I'm taking a dozen hobbits and I'm gonna ride off to Tuckborough and I'm gonna bring you an army of Tooks in the morning." Yeah, an arm, <laughs> a whole army of angry Tooks. And then Mary once again blows the horn of Rohan, and all the people cheer. Yeah. So then they get word that a squad of ruffians are on the way. Uh oh. And Farmer Cotton clears the streets of all those who cannot fight because he knows shit's about to go down. And just in time. Yeah, this just in time. The streets are cleared and voices can be heard approaching through the barricades. And you can hear them start to laugh when they see the barricade on the road. Because I imagine it's only like four feet tall, you know? Right. How, how tall of a barricade can <laughs> hobbits build? I don't know. It's... Uh, and the hobbits, they open the barricade and they stand aside. And the men threaten them with the lock holes. And they're like, yeah, we're going to lock all you guys up. And they tell them to get inside. Get back in your houses. And here's a little excerpt about <laughs> what happens. No one paid any heed to their orders. But as the ruffians passed, they slowly closed in behind and followed them. 
When the men reached the fire, there was Farmer Cotton, standing all alone, warming his hands. Who are you, and what do you think you're doing? said the ruffian leader. Farmer Cotton looked at him slowly. I was just going to ask you that, he said. This isn't your country, and you're not wanted. Whoa. So this is, yeah, this is one of my favorite parts here. Just, this is like the beginning of, of uh, a fucking horror movie. It reminds me of that movie Freaks. Did you watch that one with me? No. About the circus freaks? Oh, man. Yeah, but they like just closing around, like from the shadows. They're just like, <laughs> Yeah. And the ruffians, they're like, all right, let's get this old fuck. And they go to like lay hands on him. But they hear all the voices from the shadows. Yeah, and at this point, they realize that Farmer Cotton is not alone. And there's, what, nearly 200 hobbits around them yeah. with all sorts of different weapons and stuff. And they're just ready to fuck these guys up. And then Mary steps forward because he's already met this ruffian guy. And he basically says, I thought I done told you never to come back here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mary tells them to lay down their arms and lets them know that they are all completely covered by archers. But, as we know, the ruffians chose the hard way. Always the hard way with these people. And the leader actually tries to, like, bum-rush Mary. Yeah, and he, like, aims a blow, Mary dodges the blow, and then they all get shot. Yeah, leader falls down with four arrows right away. And that was about enough for the other ruffians, and they all surrendered, and they, they, were, they agreed to be tied up. Yeah, I love, I love that they tied him up and like locked him up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I hope that there was just one real big, just pissed off hobbit that was in charge of him. And he's like, Frodo said they ain't, they ain't no killing. He didn't say nothing about fucking these dudes up a little bit. <laughs> and then he, you know, he just kicks the shit out of him. Like the Rangers kick the shit out of Gollum. They they lay a good beating on him in the movie. Mm-hmm. But we talked about that. That's wrong. They don't do that. Mm-mm. Shafted. Shafted. But yeah, imagine some hobbits doing that to these ruffians. That'd be pretty great. Yeah. That'd be pretty satisfying. <laughs> stomping on them like billy bats and goodfellas that's i reference that a lot but that's the best stomping scene i think ever in a movie (laughs) so after this big scene the hobbits decide that they're gonna wait till morning before they do any more strikes and sam he wants to push on so he can find his gaffer and cotton says he knows a little bit about the gaffer because it seems like this dude knows a little bit about everything and he says he's uh not doing the greatest he's still grieving over them digging up bagshot row and uh cotton gets to see him from time to time and he wanted him to come live with them but that was not allowed he uh cotton does say that sam can take two of his sons and just go and try and get gaffer and bring him here and so they instantly set off to go do that meanwhile frodo eats dinner with the cotton family yeah why not we're all hobbits after this yeah and uh frodo gets a little bit of exposition on what's been going on cotton tells him all about lotho and his shady business dealings and this is when we learned that uh, that's actually what opened up the shire for what is essentially, like we mentioned, an organized crime <laughs> organized takeover. Crime syndicate, yeah. Yeah, I guess that uh, Lotha was secretly selling pipeweed to unknown buyers for some time now, and I think that was kind of where they weaseled in from. And, that's, and we, yeah, yeah we saw some line. evidence of that because when Mary and Pepin are in uh, Isengard. Yeah, there's uh, weed from the South Farthing in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, all this stuff. All this shady stuff really started right around the time that Frodo left. Interestingly enough. Interestingly enough. Well, I mean, that's what you give the guy the nicest house in town and like, you know, give him. Yeah. And he's he's mm. going to run his organized crime syndicate out of it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he also mentions that there were some who resisted in the beginning, but they were all thrown into the lock holes. Yeah, and they didn't know it at the time, but one of those that were thrown in the lock holes was actually their old friend, Fredegar Fatty Bulger. Yeah, man. Of course, friendship is fucking magic. He was keeping his end of the deal at home, man. You know? Yeah, and uh, he got in trouble for it. Shafted. Shafted. 
Wait uh, next season, guys, for the Fatty Bulger character profile. <laughs> uh, Cotton tells Frodo that uh, Lotho then declared himself Chief Sheriff, or later just Chief. And he says it's worse since Sharky came into the picture. He says that Sharky is the biggest ruffian of them all. And but although nobody's ever seen him, well, they know that he's up at Bag End and he's the real Chief now. So things have gotten even worse yeah, and while they're having this great exposition conversation, boom, Sam and the gaffer, they bust in through, and they speak to Frodo, and uh, <laughs> gaffer speaks to Frodo, and here's a, a gaffer quote for you. Glad I am indeed to see you back safe, but I've got a bone to pick with you in a manner of speaking, if I may be so bold. You didn't never ought to have sold Bag End, as I always said. That's what started all this mischief. And while you've been trespassing in foreign parts, chasing black men up mountains for what my Sam says, though what for he says he doesn't make clear, they've been dug up Bagshot Row and ruined all my taters. What is it with these people and their taters, man? It's a like, staple. Your country is in, there's a, there's, a, there's a political upheaval here, and you're talking about your taters, man. He's, I mean, he's Gaffer. He's worried about the taters. That's why I love, yeah, he's just a simple guy. So Frodo apologizes to Gaffer and says that he'll do whatever he can to set things right, because I think he kind of admits that it, that did kind of unbalance things when he sold Bag End like that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he, <laughs> Gaffer asks him if uh, Sam has been, has served with him with satisfaction. And uh, this, I, I just had to have this in. This is uh, a quote from, from Frodo. Perfect satisfaction, Mr. Gamgee, said Frodo. Indeed, if you will believe... He's now one of the most famous people in all the lands, and they are making songs about his deeds from here to the sea and beyond the great river. Yeah, and then this whole time Rosie's there, and she's just beaming at Sam. She's like, oh. And then there's this little moment where Frodo, uh, Sam looks at Frodo like uh, with a little smile like, yo, thanks for, bro, thanks for that, bro. Mm. You know? And then I imagine they fist bump behind their backs. <laughs> Friendship is magic. All right, let's get into the biggest day of the scouring, the Battle of Bywater. So the next day during breakfast, a messenger from Tookland arrives. And the messenger says that the Thane has raised their country. They fought off the ruffians that watched their lands and pushed them south. And the Thane is now sending all the Tooks he can spare back with Pepin. So they're going to get a nice army of Tooks. And shortly after that, Mary comes back. He's been scouting all night. He says that there's a huge band of Rufians coming their way. Close to 100 of them, and they're growing as they uh, pass other Rufians. And they're also burning along the way. So shit is about to go down. But that's, Yeah, that's another thing that Mary learned in the military, like scouting ahead. Mm -hmm. Like knowing your enemy, you know? Know what's about to happen before it happens. So at this point, this is when the Tooks show up, and Pippin comes back riding ahead of a hundred Tooks from Tuckborough and the Green Hills. When the Rufians, they come up the East Road, they are met by a barrier of upturned wagons. And uh, so the roads in the Shire kind of have like banks on either side of them, you know, like hedgerows. So like you can't really see, you're kind of like trapped, right? Oh, yeah. So like they get to these upturned wagons and uh, they either have to go back or climb over them. Mm -hmm. They have no other choice. And as they're trapped up in that little uh, walkway there, Mary speaks to them. Well, you have walked into a trap, said Mary. Your fellows from Hobbiton did the same, and one is dead, and the rest are prisoners. Lay down your weapons, then go back twenty paces, and sit down. Any who try to break out will be shot. Mary is over, over it. it. 
But this time as well, the ruffians choose the hard way. And they charge the wagons, but instantly, six of them are shot. Yeah, they're so stupid. <laughs> yeah, they're just... I love that, like, you know, hobbits are like the size of kindergartners, right? <laughs> but, like, do you think you and your, like, immediate drinking buddies could fight off 200 of them with 200 weapons? Kindergartners? 200 kindergartners? With weapons? No, no. Man, that's too many numbers. That's just too many. So, as they're trying to get out over these wagons, the hobbits are slashing at them with axes. And they're trying to climb the banks and climb the wagons. And some of the ruffians break through, and two hobbits are killed. But ultimately, the ruffians, they scatter to the countryside. And Pippin says the country is alive with took hunters, and they will not get far. Yeah, they're alive out there. And Pippin and Mary lead a charge from the east, and uh, they meet the ruffians head on. And Mary slays the leader himself. And then, he draw, and then they draw back their forces and circle the remaining ruffians with archers. Again, tactics Mary mm. learns in the military. As little killing as possible, too. Very effective. Yes, very effective. Yeah, because they could have just charged into them and just you know, just murdered all of them if they wanted to. Surround right. them with archers and then just, execute yeah, them. Just yeah. execute. So at this point, it's pretty much checkmate. They are uh, completely surrounded by hobbit archers, and uh, that's pretty much it. We got a little excerpt about the, the battle itself here, the aftermath of the battle. At last, all was over. Nearly 70 of the ruffians lay dead on the field, and a dozen were prisoners. Nineteen hobbits were killed, and some thirty were wounded. The dead ruffians were laden on wagons and hauled off to an old sand pit nearby, and there buried, in the battle pit, as it was afterwards called. The fallen hobbits were laid together in a grave on the hillside, where later a huge stone was set and a garden about it. And after that battle, Merry and Pepin would go down as great captains of hobbitry and war heroes. Frodo was also in the battle, but he actually didn't even draw his sword. He was mostly just keeping the other hobbits from slaying unarmed ruffians. Yeah, because uh, yeah, cause in a revolution, you're obviously pretty angry, right? Yeah, there's some bloodlust going on. Yeah, there's some bloodlust going on. You're going to commit some atrocities, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. So Frodo's there to keep that shit to a minimum. And this reminds me of one of my favorite, favorite lyrics from one of my favorite, favorite songs. Uh, Bob Dylan's The Chimes of Freedom. He says, uh, the, the chimes are flashing for the warrior whose strength is not to fight. That's Frodo. That's what I thought of. As soon as I read that, I was like, bam, that's Frodo. All right, now that the Battle of Bywater's over, it's time to deal with that chief. Let's go see what that chief is doing. Yeah, so after most of their work was done from, you know, post-battle work, the company returned over to the Cottons to have a meal. Shortly after, Frodo decides it's time to go to Lotho and Sharky themselves, way up at Bag End. And uh, Mary advises that sooner would be better. He also advises Frodo not to be too gentle, (laughs) because all of this evil shit is their fault. Yeah, Like, it's time to fuck these guys up. And Cotton says that they can't be sure there are no more ruffians up at Bag End either, so he sends a dozen sturdy hobbits along with him as escort. There could be trouble. And it is said that the approach to Bag End was one of the saddest moments of any of their lives. And, and could you imagine to, you know, to see the place that you spent your happiest times of your life, the thing that you fought so hard to come back home to and protect, it's now all gone. All the gardens and all the trees are gone, and everything is fucked. And here's an excerpt about it. Even Sam's vision in the mirror had not prepared him for what they saw. The old grange on the west side had been knocked down, and its place taken by rows of tarred sheds. All the chestnuts were gone. The banks and hedgerows were broken. Great wagons were standing in disorder in a field beaten bare of grass. 
Bagshot Row was a yawning sand and gravel quarry. Bag End up beyond could not be seen for a clutter of large huts. They've cut it down, cried Sam. They've cut down the party tree. He pointed to where the tree had stood, under which Bilbo made his farewell speech. It was lying lopped and dead in the field, as if this was the last straw, Sam burst into tears. Uh, Sam's serious weeping is cut off by a laugh coming from the wall by the new ugly-ass mill. And who is it but Sam's arch-fucking-nemesis, <laughs> Ted fucking Sandyman. Ted Sandyman, I guess he is the local asshole for the Shire. Yeah, he is the local asshole. He's the Bill Fernie of the Shire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit. And he says that, that if they lay hands on him, they'll regret it. But he gets scared when he sees the escort, and he goes back into the mill... But he comes back blowing a big horn. And Bar- Mary basically says, oh, that's cute. And we've got an, ex- an excerpt about this scene here. Save your breath, laughed Mary. I have a better. Then he lifted up his silver horn. He winded it, and its clear call rang over the hills. And out of the holes in the sheds and the shabby houses of Hobbiton, the hobbits answered, and came pouring out. And with cheers and loud cries, they followed the company to the r- up the road to Bag End. And I just imagine this is like <laughs> the hobbits are like climbing up the hill. We're not gonna take it. You know that song, Joel? No, no we ain't gonna take it. it. But wouldn't that be funny, guys? Imagine that. Imagine those hobbits singing that song, marching up the hill. Hilarious. So at the top of the hill, the crowd halts and Frodo and company go on alone up to Bag End. There are sheds all throughout the garden. The door is even fucked up. The bell chain is lying broken on the ground. So they go up and they knock on the door, but there's no answer. The door's uh, unlocked, so they went in and they saw that the place was filthy and appeared not to have been used for some time. And here's a little quote about what Sam says when he takes it all in. This is worse than Mordor, said Sam. Much worse in a way. It comes home to you, as they say, because it is home, and you remember it before it was all ruined. Yes, this is Mordor, said Frodo. Just one of its works. And then Mary remarks that if I had known he had caused all this mischief, I would have stuffed my pouch down Saruman's throat. (laughs) And while that sounds vaguely sexual, it is actually a reference to when earlier in the journey, um, they met Saruman on the road and Mary borrowed him a a pouch of pipe weed. Oh, that's right. It was kind of like a I pity you type thing. Uh, Yeah, like... But now he's like, I shouldn't have even done that. And at that remark, Saruman reveals himself at the door. Yeah, he's basically like, yes, indeed, but you didn't. Here is Saruman. He looks uh, well-fed and well-pleased, little old snarky sharky. And Frodo suddenly realizes that, oh, Saruman is Sharky. And uh, it's it turns out that's a name that was given to him by his men at Isengard. Ah, it's an Isengard name. And Saruman asks uh, if he really thought that all this would be so easy. This and whole revolt, this whole coming back to the Shire. Do you think it would be easy, bro? Because it's not. Not at all. We've got an excerpt about what he says. You thought you had done very well out of it all, and could just amble back and have a nice quiet time in the country. Saruman's home would be all wrecked, and he could be turned out, but no one could touch yours. Yeah, dude, he's like straight up, he took that shit personal. Yeah, he's very, very bitter about the loss of Isengard. He tells them that after they humiliated him in the wilderness, he straight up got, he was just like, all right. I'm going to teach them a lesson, which is what the opening excerpt was yeah, about. Yeah, he came straight to the Shire from that, from right after that scene. 
Because he's he's just fucking evil. He's fucking evil. Like he says, one ill turn deserves another. I like that they actually used that line in the movie. Yeah, when did they use it? It's uh, but it was, on the top uh, of Isengard, right? I think so. Yeah. I can't remember. I remember it, was, it being it was in not film. in It was not in this context, obviously, because yeah. the scouring didn't happen. Didn't but happen. yeah, one of those lines that they kept, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And Saruman says that he will straight up take pleasure in knowing that he fucked up their shit for generations to come. And after that, Frodo says he pities him and bids him to go and never return. The hobbits that have followed uh, Frodo and the company up the hill, they are gathered around the door now. And they hear Frodo's command. And they're like, no, no, no. Kill this motherfucker. And they all start like... They're demanding. Demanding blood. Yeah. They want blood. And then Saruman mocks them. He's like, kill him. Kill him to (laughs) their face. Yeah. We've got an excerpt about what Saruman says. Whoever strikes me shall be accursed, and if my blood stains the Shire, it shall wither and never again be healed. Then Frodo says, eh, that's pretty scary talk, but bullshit. Gandalf told me all your powers are removed, except your voice, which is what you're using right now Mm -hmm. to deceive all of us. I see you. But at the same time, Frodo does uh, forbid his slaying. And we've got an excerpt about what Frodo says, too. But I will not have him slain. It is useless to meet revenge with revenge. It will heal nothing. Go, Saruman, by the speediest way. God, Frodo's become, like, wise as shit throughout this whole journey. Yeah, like you said earlier, this is, like, the culmination of their journey. Yeah, this is the final test. (laughs) So after that, Saruman calls his old friend Wormtongue to him, and he comes, and swiftly draws a knife to stab Frodo. But as we know, Frodo's always wearing his mithril coat, turns the knife, and it breaks. Snap. Yeah, so he does stab him, but he breaks his fucking knife on it. Yeah, straight up. And at this point, Sam just lays hands on him, takes him down to the ground, draws his sword, and he's ready to gut that son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But Frodo stays his hand and calls out to him, and here's a quote from it. No, Sam, said Frodo. Do not kill him, even now, for he has not hurt me. And in any case, I do not wish for him to be slain in this evil mood. He was great once, of a noble kind that we should not dare to raise our hands against. He is fallen and his cure is beyond us, but I would still spare him in the hope that he may find it. Damn, dude. Yeah. Frodo, wise as hell. Yeah. And at uh, at this, Saruman looks at Frodo with what they said is a a combination of wonder, respect, and straight up hatred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, He hates how Frodo has grown as a person. And this is what he says. You are wise and cruel. You have robbed my revenge of its sweetness, and now I must go hence in bitterness, in debt to your mercy. I hate it, and you. Well, I will go and trouble you no more, but do not expect me to wish you health and long life. You will have neither. But that is not my doing. I merely foretell. What a dick. Dude, Robert Inglis... I listened to this audiobook chapter three times when I was working on this, oh, this yeah? episode. Robert Inglis' Saruman voice is fucking awesome. He's like, I merely foretell. Robert Inglis is just fucking awesome at all that shit at that he does. everything. Mm-hmm. So after that, Saruman turns to leave. The hobbits reluctantly make way, but their hands are still on their weapons, and Wormtongue follows him. Frodo says that Wormtongue need not go. He can stay here and have food and rest before he goes wherever he wants to uh, go. He says he knows no evil that he has done. Yeah, so he's basically like, Wormtongue, you're still welcome here. Yeah. You can stay if you want. Then Saruman reveals that it was Wormtongue that murdered Lotho and stabbed him in his sleep. 
And at that, Wormtongue becomes super livid that he just totally threw him under the bus. Yeah, he's like, not only did you throw me under the bus, but you made me do it. Mm-hmm. And then Saruman mocks him to his face and kicks him in the face and then turns to leave. And this is when Grima snaps. Yeah, Grima's been treated like shit this whole time. Oh, yeah. And this is when Grima draws out another hidden knife, because <laughs> I guess that's just his thing. Yeah, how many knives does this guy carry on him? I imagine it's like John Wick or The Matrix or something, just <laughs> fucking knives, knives everywhere. Like, what? Wormtongue is, what is he doing? You know, like, he's... Yeah, why, why does he need to carry knives on him? Like, why? Yeah. More than one knife? Really? <laughs> but anyway, he takes this hidden knife, he draws back Saruman's head and slashes his fucking throat with a yell, and then runs off the lane. And before Frodo could act to anything, three hobbits let go of their bows, and Wormtongue falls dead to the ground. And then some kind of spooky-ooky shit happens with Saruman's body. This is all because he's a Maiar. Yeah, don't forget, Saruman, Maiar. Maiar. And we have an excerpt about this scene here, too. To the dismay of those that stood by, about the body of Saruman a gray mist gathered, and rising slowly to a great height like smoke from a fire, as a pale shrouded figure it loomed over the hill. For a moment it wavered, looking to the west, but out of the west came a cold wind, and it bent away, and with a sigh dissolved into nothing. So do you think that was Saruman asking the Valar for pardon? And then they said, fuck you, and blew him away. I suppose you could totally look at it that way. That's what I looked at it like when I read this. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I had never really looked into that moment much. Yeah, because it hesitates, wants to go west, and then it's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that definitely sounds like a rejection. And then some really uh, horror movie shit happens here. Frodo looks at the body, um, and death comes over its face, and it becomes, quote, became rags of skin upon a hideous skull. Ugh. Yeah, Frodo yeah, covers Frodo covers the body. And then uh, Sam says something pretty cool. We've got an excerpt about it. And that's the end of that, said Sam. A nasty end. And I wish I needn't have seen it, but it's a good riddance. So let's get into the aftermath of this event that just happened. After this, Frodo... Uh, so they're basically, the, the Shire's free now. Like Yeah, they've done it. They've done it. Uh, after the battle, Frodo uh, rides to Mikkel Delving, and he releases all the prisoners from the Lockhold. And one of the first ones who was out, Fredegar Bulger. Although he is noticeably skinny. Very yeah, skinny. Very skinny. They starved the shit out of him. And nobody ever calls him Fatty again after yeah, that. Yeah, I imagine that's a sensitive uh, nickname. Yeah, dude. Yeah, also Lobelia Sackville Bag was in there too yeah because she, she uh, earlier had attacked a ruffian with her umbrella oh yeah because i mean <laughs> whereas there was always bad blood between the sackville bagginses and the bagginses i mean mm-hmm. lobelia was still a feisty little shit and she wasn't about to get like pushed around by some ruffians no yeah no she was i mean that's why people didn't like her because she was very assertive mm-hmm. and like you know but i mean now she stood up to the ruffians and she got put in the lock holes so when she came out she was greeted by cheers from the hobbits and probably for the first time ever, yeah. you know, she was nobody, greeted with like... Yeah, nobody liked her. <laughs> like a welcome. Yeah. Um, she was actually crushed by the news of Lotho, and she would not return to Bag, to Bag End. She gave it back to Frodo. Yeah. I imagine that's probably got some bad memories for her now. Yeah. And when she died later the next year, she gave all of her money to Frodo to help the hobbits that were made homeless in the scouring. Oh. Oh. And that was uh, that, that kind of settles the feud between the Sackville Bagginses and the Bagginses. Mm. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's also kind of the end of the Sackville Bagginses, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't think they had a male heir. Or uh, their their name was not carried on, rather. 
Also out of the lock holes, male Will Whitfoot. And uh, he was all fucked up. He actually temporarily signed over mayorship to Frodo until he was like, didn't look like a monster anymore. Yeah, until he was physically well again. Yeah, because yeah. he, he had been starved for a while. And the only thing that Frodo ever did while he was mayor was uh, reduce, the, reduce the number of sheriffs to the normal numbers, and their duties were normal. Yeah, put kind of put thing, put the rules back to normal anyway. Yeah. So, like, walk around, make sure nobody's stealing chickens, and drink beer. That was basically what the sheriffs went back to doing. So, after everything was all said and done, Mary and Pepin, they were put in charge of dealing with the remnants of the ruffians. And they were successful very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Sam went to... Sam did, in my opinion, what's the hardest thing mm-hmm. to do after the situation, is he went to work on uh, restoring the Shire to um, its former um, botanical... Life goodness you know what i mean it's planting all the gardens and stuff and he he uses that box of earth that is given to him by galadriel mm-hmm. to do that yeah and out of that box he gets the seed that turns out to be a malorn tree and he plants it in place of the party tree and i don't think he knew at the time that it was a malorn either no no he didn't uh and uh when he finished he scattered the rest of uh the the earth from um galadriel he scattered the rest of it at the three farthing stone Hoping to equally distribute it among the Shire and hopes oh, yeah. of returning it to its former glory. That's beautiful. Good yeah. job, Sam. So that's pretty much the ending of what is known as the scouring of the Shire. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into a little bit of what uh, the implications of this event are. Yeah, and this is something that we've referenced a handful of times. Many times. Yeah, um, you know, as you guys probably know by now, me and Danny have a slightly darker interpretation of some of the yeah. overall themes in Tolkien. Because mm-hmm. we're emo. Because we're emo. And this kind of just, I guess, fits in with that. And it wasn't in the movies, and so the movies had like that really awesome, like happy, satisfying a ending. A bittersweet ending, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would say it's not even bittersweet in the book. Like, it's just a sad, just straight sad it ending. It is sad, yeah. yeah. After all the shit that, that, that happened, they came home to their home being destroyed, and they had a, even more shit they had to deal with, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was a lot. And uh, yeah, we think it completely changes the tone of the story. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the tone of the movie is definitely different than the tone of the book, in my opinion. And um, it, it kind of covers the fact that, like uh, we talked about before, uh, evil touches everything and it'll corrupt everything good eventually. And uh, nothing will ever be as good and as pure as it once was in the beginning. And uh, we could actually talk about this and the implications of the scouring of the Shire at length. So so guess what, guys? Bonus content. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little companion piece to this episode soon. We don't really know when yet, but we just we just talked about it. So we're going to do a um, little short episode on the implications of the scouring of the Shire and what it means to... That darker tone. That darker tone. Mm-hmm. But all in all, that's what we've got for you today, guys. And we really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. This has been our season three finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another season of Keep on Tolkien. 42 episodes. Can you believe it, Joel? I can't. We're going to miss you guys in the meantime, but fear not. We shall be back in late summer or early fall. And yeah, right now we are recon- uh, restructuring how we do our seasons. Originally, we started out with doing um, 15 episode runs, which is insane. I don't know why we ever decided yeah, to do that. Yeah, we had been doing that since the beginning, and it <laughs> really exhausted us quite quickly. Yeah, and because um, yeah, as we get, as obviously as this goes along, we get better at doing what we're doing, and it takes more time to do the episodes. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, we're splitting it into... Um, Chunks of six. Yeah, chunks of six, two runs, one in the beginning part of the year, one in the later part of the year. Yeah, so Um, originally we were doing two seasons a year, 
two 15-episode seasons. Now we're going to be doing two 12-episode seasons a year, and each season, there's going to be a little break in the middle. A little break in between. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more equally distributed. Yeah. but there's a And then it'll yeah. also equally help us distribute our workload a yes. little better. Yeah, because we... <sighs> We still have to work regular jobs, guys. It stinks. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're full-time workers. <laughs> and even Danny's in the middle of a job transition right now, so it's like... Yeah, it's super lame. We're recording this episode like really late at night. And it kind of <laughs> sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for sticking but, with us, Yeah, guys. thank you. Anyway, we digress. So follow us on social media at KOT Podcast on Twitter. Danny J is on Twitter as well, at Danny J KOT. Uh, we are still trying to get Joel on Twitter. I'm going <laughs> to work on it in the, in the off-season here. I'll get it there eventually guys yeah yeah uh, go ahead and follow us on instagram and on facebook and uh, on facebook you can go ahead and join the keep on token talk group it's kind of the discussion group it's a it's a kind of a companion to our main page yeah and we're actually going to be doing a silmarillion read-along in a probably in a few weeks here so when this episode comes out it should be happening around then mm-hmm. um so it is hosted by claire who has been on the show before and she's a huge huge so she's also done more she, this is her second hosting of a silmarillion read-along yeah so she's another tolkien nerd and so she's pretty excited about this so go check out the uh, keep on tolkien the talk group and go ahead and discuss stuff with other listeners. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, if you feel so inclined, please, please, please donate to our Patreon. Um, every dollar helps. And as at this juncture, we are still a 100% DIY podcast. Yeah, we still uh, pay to make this happen, but we do love to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, It's my favorite bill to pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is still a bill. It is still a bill. Yeah, and so uh, we really appreciate every donation that we get from the Patreon. It does help us out a lot. And uh, as a thank you, we have some exclusive Patreon content on there as well. It's always kind of some... Uh, it's fun. Not, it's more fun stuff. Yeah, we don't... It's not too serious. Yeah, it's, we don't uh, want to rob you of content. That's not what we're about, right? Like, yeah, no. All the yeah, all the major content and everything is going to be on the feed, but for, it, for it our patrons... Will be, yeah. For our patrons, we like this little fun thank you. We're usually always a little fucked up for our Patreon <laughs> stuff. It's usually uh, not safe for work content, not but go check it out. Work. But uh, also, for anyone who is local here in the Twin Cities, we are most likely going to be heading up some trivia nights later on in the uh, um, coming soon here in the cities but we will get to you more so check out our social media pages uh, for more information on that yeah prepare to get out and socialize with other Tolkien nerds with other Tolkien nerds and and, and, and meet us if you want to if you want to if yeah. you want to we understand how terrifying socializing can sound sometimes so yeah. uh, we're trying to make a friendly social environment yeah so come out usually uh, have a few drinks play some trivia but yeah, guys, that's pretty much it. It's uh, I, I I'm having a hard time saying goodbye because this is gonna be. It's gonna yeah, it's yeah. gonna be another break. I'll but miss we you will guys. be back. Yeah. But as always, I am Danny J. And I am Joel N. And as always, guys, keep, keep on Tolkien. Ah, and to Luva.